Flashing fish and other glow-in-the-dark creatures are common in the deep sea. I'm Richard Hoops for Earthwatch Radio. Very little sunlight penetrates more than a few hundred feet past the surface of the sea, but the blackness of the ocean depths is punctuated by the glowing and blinking lights of all kinds of sea creatures. In fact, almost all the fish and animals that live in the deep water create some kind of light. 
Tracy Sutton studies this deep, dark environment. Sutton is a marine scientist at the Harbor Branch Oceanographic Institution in Fort Pierce, Florida. Almost everything down there is luminescent. Fish, shrimp, squid, jellyfish, they all can produce light. Sutton says many species of jellyfish glow all over. They look like tiny moons as they dance through the water. Other animals have specific organs that light up. The dragonfish is a good example. This jet black fish has a long appendage dangling from its chin like a whisker. Sutton says the ends of it are studded with flashing lights. It's the same kind of chemistry as is that found in a firefly. There's a, a protein called luciferin, and if you add oxygen, it glows. It gives off light. And they can control the amount of light and the duration of the flashes neurologically. Sutton says dragonfish use their flashing lights to entice prey to come closer. Other fish use light as a defense. They flash a bright light in the face of an attacker and then try to swim away. Sutton says it's not clear how or why deep sea creatures developed this trait. Some things are luminescent that don't even have eyes, so you wonder what possible benefit it could have. It could be that it's just a leftover function of some other process. Whatever the reason, Sutton says luminescence is the rule rather than the exception in the deep sea. Earthwatch Radio is a service of the Sea Grant Program and the Gaylord Nelson Institute at the University of Wisconsin. You are listening to Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know. This is Ord Energy Mon. And this is Tree Salon. And we're here to bring you another exciting, well, hopefully, and definitely informative half hour of your community spirit. And guess what? People have sent us happenings, and therefore we can pass on... Yes. <laughs> the spirit of what is happening in this community. So, I wanted to talk first about, do you know what critical mass is? Oh, yes, I do. Well, um, at least having to do with bicycles. Yes. Not other stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, I heard it through the grapevine, which I never really understood what that meant, but... Mm. I heard it from a friend who heard it from a friend who heard it from, you know, someone <laughs> they kind of knew. <laughs> heard it from a friend who... That today, there will be a critical mass. That means grab your bicycle, grab your helmet, grab your gung-ho attitude, or just grab your bicycle, and oh. show up at the student center on the SIUC campus at 5 p.m. Well, that's when they're leaving, so... Yeah. If you want to show up, you know, two minutes early, five minutes early. Um, Last week, I was told there was 45 that were counted people Uh on bicycles. Yeah. Not on one bicycle, but, you know, (laughs) multiple bicycles. That'd be a pretty big bicycle. Yeah. So do you have anything else happening today? Uh, Yes. There is uh, tonight at 8 p.m. at the Interfaith Center, there is the uh, Fourth World War. That's, no, it's not actually the World not War. Not actually the World War. No, that would, gonna, that, I don't think anything like that's going to start at the interface. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that would be the epicenter of the Fourth World War. Would, uh, yeah. Maybe that'll be the epicenter of the First World Peace. <laughs> there you go. But uh, anyway, the movie, The Fourth World War, is showing tonight at 8 p.m. at the Interfaith Center. And that's sponsored by the Student Environmental Center. And uh, the Interface Center is at the corner of South Illinois and Grand. Yes. So, so. for a grand time, you can go check out this movie. <laughs> yeah. So, and the 
The Student Environmental Center has a new website, secsiuc.org. Yes. Or their old don't, um, address is just Student Environmental Center, mm-hmm. studentenvironmentalcenter.org. Yes, and they'll both hopefully take you to the same place. Other happenings. Uh, I know another happening um, that isn't on the list is uh, tomorrow, starting at 10 p.m., there's a Peace on Earth party. There's a party for peace and a party for the earth and a party for the sake of partying. Yeah, I was going to say, well, <laughs> you have to... Well, Partying is, yeah, well, peace on earth is a good reason to have a party. Yeah. But partying is almost as good of a reason to have a party. Yes, partying is also a noble goal unto itself. Right. But to create peace on earth via partying, now you're talking the ultimate party creed. Yes. Yeah, (laughs) the the peace on earth party. Peace on earth party. So that's uh, tomorrow night at uh, starting at 10 and going until... uh, the cows come home. <laughs> the cows come home? Yeah. You haven't heard that saying? No. The cows go out in the morning. <laughs> they don't come home in the morning. I've heard the saying, but again... <laughs> it's one of those silly sayings. Yeah, another one that I don't understand. Yes. So that's happening at the Bungalow of Love, which is on Oak Street. If you want details or directions, you can give me a call at 525-0625. And if you don't know where the Bungalow of Love is... You're missing out. Yeah, you're missing out on a lot of peace partying. Yes. Other happenings. The Southern Illinois Irish Fest, which takes place every April, will celebrate its contributors at an annual dinner on Saturday, September 8th at 6 p.m. We're already in September. Yes, well, we're technically still uh, August 31st. But well, <laughs> it's not this Saturday, which is tomorrow, but it's the Saturday after. Yes. Um, September 8th at 6 p.m. at 17th Street Bar and Grill in Murfreesboro. Dinner includes a cash bar, door prizes, thank yous to everyone who make Irish Fest possible, and a performance by the fine and bardy wenches. Did I do a good job there? (laughs) Almost. And I'm a big fan of the fine and bardy wenches, and the Irish Fest as well. (laughs) (laughs) You just threw in, and the Irish Fest as well, just to like... Uh, to make your reservation, call uh, 618-457-5404. So, and um, in case you didn't know, the DeCoin State Fair is happening this week. Oh, yes. And also, I heard that tomorrow is the opening of the Lick Creek General Store. They're having a little festival to celebrate the reopening of it. There's some new owners and some... Fine Southern cooking with a hint of Cajun. So, hmm. other happenings? Oh, let's see. Oh yes, next week the Student Environmental Center, which we mentioned before, they're having their next meeting on Thursday at 8 p.m. at the Interfaith Center, and that's at the corner of Illinois and Grand. Otherwise, I do know that the organizing for the Heartland Bioneers is starting. Yes. And I don't know. I spend so much time away from Southern Illinois, basically every other weekend going to different renewable energy fairs, that I really like when people let me know that there's happenings. And so, therefore, I still feel connected, even though I don't get a chance to go to a lot of the summer happenings. So if you would like um, something to happen, (laughs) you have to let me know, because otherwise, you know... 
if Treesong and I don't know about it, there's about a 50% chance that you're not going to get anybody to show up at your event. Yeah, but once so, they hear it on your community spirit, they say, oh, I've got to go to that. Yeah, it's the spirit of the community. So this is your community <laughs> spirit. If there is a happening that we did not announce, that's because you did not email it in. Good old-fashioned guilt. It's not our fault. <laughs> it's your fault for not letting us know. <laughs> yes. So if you would like a happening to be on your community spirit, please email me at info at yourcommunityspirit.org. Or you can email me at treesong at treesong.org. And his is easier to remember, so send them all to him. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be right back with the news. The news. My art will go on. I guess I should sing that. <laughs> na, na. This is about Leonardo DiCaprio's 11th hour. Yes. <laughs> Super bad may have topped box office sales this past weekend, but Leonardo DiCaprio's Echo documentary, The 11th Hour, which opened in theaters across the U.S. and Canada last Friday, showed music goers what truly super bad, the state of our environment. The film features dozens of Echo experts talking about what's gone wrong on the planet and how we can make it right. Two of them, ecological economic economist Herman Daly, and environmental health expert Theo Kalber, um, and let's see who else is on there. Adam Browning offers his take on the film. Um, mo- a lot of these people are past speakers from Bioneers conferences. Did you know that this film was actually inspired by the Bioneers conference itself? Oh, no, I didn't actually. So... Um, if you would like to, well, after you've seen this film, it opens in southern Illinois, September 7th. Yes. <laughs> I've actually looked it up. Southern Illinois, we're a little bit behind the times. I was. Yeah, we do get it eventually. I yeah. almost went and saw it uh, last week when I was in uh, Asheville. Um, hmm. But, of course, I was too tired from, you know... Selling renewable energy to go see a movie. <laughs> yeah. So I know I'm going to see it as soon as it comes out. So if you want to go have a uh, 11th hour party, you can get in touch with me. There and we'll you all go. go see it together. 11th hour party. And um, if, you, if you like the movie and you want to see more of the speakers who are in the movie, um, Bioneers.org. Or around here, it's HB for Heartland Bioneers, so hbconference.org. In October, there's the Heartland Bioneers Conference. Yeah, we should do like they do on the Amazon recommendations of other books. If you like the 11th hour, dot, 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 you'll like Bioneers. (laughs) And actually, um, the Southern Illinois Center for Sustainable Future has a lot of the Bioneer speakers on DVD, there's, um, and and or can get all of them, and you can borrow some of it from the lending library. So yes, 
other happenings. Well, let's see. This is news. Yes, news. (laughs) Well, it's a happening. It's happening and news at the same time. Yeah, so we'll have to try to remember to announce uh, next Friday also that this is coming. All right, let's see. So in other news... Well, you don't want to really let people know that the 11th hour is coming. The 11th hour is at hand. It's at hand. The end is near. Let's go see it at the theater. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. The world is ending and we're watching a movie. (laughs) So in other news, I've got to follow that one up with a climate-related story. The climate got me high. NOAA scientists say near-record U.S. temps in 2006 due to climate change. Scientists from the U.S. National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration said this week that the near-record annual average temperature in the lower 48 states in 2006 was due to greenhouse gases and not to the weather phenomenon El Nino. By perusing weather records, the researchers, whose study will appear in the journal Geophysical Research Letters, found that El Nino actually tended to have an overall cooling effect on the U.S., To find what was causing the warming, scientists then ran over 40 computer simulations to test various atmospheric conditions' effects on U.S. temperatures, finally concluding that the, quote, 2006 warmth was primarily due to human influences, a.k.a. human-driven climate change. 2006 was about 2 degrees warmer than the 20th century average in the lower 48 states. And because we know... uh, And because we know you're wondering, at least as of the deadline, the NOAA is still part of the Bush administration. (laughs) (laughs) And yet they're saying these things. (laughs) Straight to the source, the Washington Post, Associated Press, 29th of August, 2007. Driving us to vegetarianism. Animal rights groups say meat-eating worse for climate than driving. With, with which instrument do you cause more greenhouse gas emissions? Your car key or your fork? Now, are they talking about inner gas emissions? <laughs> yes, it's the like methane releases. The methane releases from your car or from your um, estomaco. It's a question asked in an advertising campaign by the Humane Society, which, along with other big animal rights groups, is striving to open consumers' eyes to an off an overlooked connection, the climate impact of eating meat. Bloistered by a recent United Nations report stating that the livestock business spews more greenhouse gases than any other forms of transportation combined, animal rights groups say greens aren't stressing the point enough. Quote, environmentalists are still pointing their fingers at, are, they're pointing their fingers at Hummers and SUVs. When they should be pointing at the dinner plate. I didn't know they were pointing their fingers at humors and SUVs. Huh. It's like, I thought they were flicking their finger. Yeah, flicking a particular finger. This <laughs> <laughs> is a campaign for PETA. You just cannot be a meat-eating environmentalist, end quote. Straight to the source, the New York Times, the 29th of August, 2007. Well, I don't know. I think it's easier to um, get people to hit their wallet, because, uh, you know, a Hummer and SUV uses more gas, but then, well, eating meat costs more. <laughs> so, unless you eat meat substitute. Yes. <laughs> eating meat substitute costs more. But if you didn't eat meat or ate less in your diet, meat is expensive. It is. So. Both for the eco footprint and for the pocketbook. And for your gut. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, yeah, it's like. 
I wasn't kidding about the methane production out the back <laughs> because of eating meat. Yeah, well, you are what you eat, and they produce a lot of methane, the cows. So, <laughs> so let's see. In in other news, more bad news for coal. Uh, move your blooming ash. <laughs> Curbing air pollution from coal plants can lead to more ash in landfills. The growing pressure to clean up emissions from coal-fired power plants is good for air quality, but it's got a sooty light lining. Uh, pollution capture could end up filling up landfills with millions more tons of toxic ash. More than one-third of the Who's ash... ash? <laughs> oh, toxic ash. Oh. <laughs> so that's what you call me. <laughs> well, more than one-third of the ash currently generated by coal plants is recycled for other uses. But the chemicals commonly used to capture pollutants out of coal plant emissions change the composition of the ash, often making it unusable. So to the landfill it goes. The U.S. EPA does not classify coal ash as hazardous wastes, even though it naturally contains arsenic and mercury, which can then seep into the groundwater. Equipment to remove pollutants without making ash unusable is available, but can be up to four times more expensive for coal plants. And your health is totally not worth that much. <laughs> Straight to the source, Associated Press, 26th of August, 2007. Well, today's tip. Even if you don't have a hybrid car, a few simple tips are all you need to consider to give your fuels economy the boost it deserves, which isn't a bad idea considering that gas prices are spiraling upper again this summer. Some of the some of the top money and planet-saving tips courtesy of KBB.com include reducing air conditioning use, change your filters at scheduled intervals, check your tire pressure, <laughs> use a fuel additive in each fill-up to increase energy perf engine performance, and get your fuel injectors cleaned. <laughs> Actually, the simplest way to get the better miles per gallon is just to keep your tires inflated on your car. Yeah. Otherwise, of course, regular tune-ups. I mean, it's very common for us to not tune up our vehicles until they're running really, really bad. <laughs> but if they run 10% worse, you're getting 10% worse gas mileage. Yeah. So and if you're skeptical about the tire inflation, uh, try riding a bike that's on lower tires. <laughs> that's what really brought the point home to me because, you know, when my tires are low on my bike, it takes so much more energy to get places. You can feel it. Yeah. Well, now you're mentioning how to really save gas. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. If you can bike places, <laughs> if you you'll can... save even more gas. Yeah, it's, well, yeah. But if, you know, if you live in, say, rural southern Illinois, and there's not much, you know, you got to bike 20 miles to the next town. <laughs> well, actually, I mean, um, that's not too far. <laughs> I mean, it, once you start doing it, I've read people who bike 50 miles to work every day. Oh, yeah, it's certainly possible. Yeah, it's like... But Either way, be sure to keep your tires inflated for energy efficiency. There you go. <laughs> so let's see. In other news, oh, I've got to read this one for the sake of the kiddies. A plague on the playground. Green Group finds some New Orleans playgrounds contaminated with arsenic. Some playgrounds and schoolyards in New Orleans may be contaminated with high levels of arsenic that were swept in by Hurricane Katrina according to soil samples taken by the Natural Resources Defense Council. Government agencies, which have taken about 2,000 soil and sediment samples in the city, 
have continually insisted that the floodwaters were not toxic. Oh, because everyone knows that floodwaters are never toxic. <laughs> NRDC hopes to spur the Louisiana Department of Environmental Quality to do more testing. But we'll see how well that goes over. A toxicologist for the LDEQ says that NRDC's report, quote, isn't science, it's science fiction, and that the group is, quote, absolutely fear-mongering. Straight to the source, katc3.com, Associated Press, 27th of August, 2007. Now, I actually know people who have uh, been doing grassroots activist work trying to clean up in New Orleans, and I know their, their own soil tests have shown contamination and that they've been trying to do bioremediation to help with it, like planting plants to, like, heavy metal accumulators to pull out some of the heavy metals and, like, different different things to, you know, digest petroleum and things like that. It's pretty interesting. Heavy metal accumulator digesters. Yes. <laughs> nice. That should be a name of a band. It sounds like the name of a heavy metal band. Yeah, heavy metal accumulators. Yeah. Yeah. Nature is pretty amazing. You can use, like, certain plants will suck up heavy metals into the plant. And then you still got a plant full of heavy metals, but at least it's not in your uh, playground. Well, this is a story we've been following for a couple months now. A mission accomplished. Indiana regulators give BP a pass on meeting federal soot regulations. Now, if you've been following this, the story goes that BP tried to apply for a permit to dump more pollutants into the into the lake because they wanted to expand their refinery that was in northern Indiana. And, of course, many, many people came out against it, including uh, some people here in southern Illinois. They passed out petitions saying, we do not want you to dump more uh, ammonia and sludge into Lake Michigan. So, last week, oil company BP backed off on a plan to dump lots of more ammonia and sludge into Lake Michigan. Yay, an accomplishment. However, this week, Indiana regulators granted the same refinery an exemption to a federal rule that would have required it to half its soot emissions. So, they're allowed to not dump it into the water anymore. I mean, they voluntarily backed off of that. But the regulator said, well, if you're not dumping it into the water, <laughs> it's okay to spew it into the air. Yeah. Okay. Get to, get to breathe it in now. Um, because we really certainly wouldn't want it polluting too little, the Indiana Department of Environmental Management suggested that meeting federal soot regulations would pose an extreme Hardship to poor BP. <laughs> Straight to the source, Chicago Tribune, 28th of August, 2007. Oh, poor BP. I love it when, you know, big companies cannot afford to um, not follow the regular regulations that other people have to follow. Yeah, <laughs> they're special. Yeah, they're special. <laughs> they bring in jobs. It reminds me of one of the uh, sayings I learned from my raw foodist friends that if you don't have a filter, you are the filter. <laughs> so we all get to filter out our BPs with our lungs. All right. Do we got any other ones we want to read uh, about? Let's see. How about the uh, grasslands one? Go ahead. Grass backwards. <laughs> yes, that's grass backwards. Carbon dioxide contributing to ungrassing of grassland, says a new study. Thanks in part to rising levels of carbon dioxide... 
the world's grasslands are turning into woody shrublands, says a new study by the U.S. Department of Agriculture. When researchers artificially doubled CO2 levels over sections of the Colorado Plains, they observed a uh, 40-fold increase in the growth of fringed sage, which takes over the prairie flora that serves a crucial purpose as a livestock livestock buffet. Uh, grasslands, which are also in danger from overgrazing and wildfire suppression, cover 40% of the Earth's land surface. Some projections hold that the current CO2 levels could double by 2100. Oh, and CO2 also ate your last donut and made out with your boyfriend. <laughs> it's evil. <laughs> Straight to the source, Los Angeles Times, uh, Leader Post, uh, 28th of August, 2007. It's evil. <laughs> yeah. Not fond of the idea of losing all of our grasslands. Nope. Well, I like coming and talking about a unique product. Um, people are always talking about trying to wean off uh, oil produced products, which is a lot of plastics. Here's a company that's made a bamboo crash helmet. The Roof R060 Bamboo is a motorcycle helmet made from bamboo slivers that passes all European E22-05 safety requirements for use on the road. It's a special edition, so you want, if you want to grab yourself a sustainable brain protector, perhaps to grow with your new hybrid Vespa. Did you know they got a hybrid Vespa now? <laughs> then you better move quickly. Only sold in Europe, of course. Yes. Motorci- I got this from the Motorcycle News. Might be able to get one shipped over here. I like the thought of that, a bamboo helmet. Yeah, Mark. and it's very, very unique looking. I mean, it's literally a whole bunch of zillions of little slivers of bamboo. <laughs> so it looks like, uh, I don't know, it looks like a whole, it looks like the inner side of if you cut a tree trunk <laughs> in like a whole bunch of rings, yeah. like almost. So this has been a hopefully another exciting informative half hour of your community spirit the only other story i wanted to put out is honda plans to release a unique looking hybrid for conspicuous greens Uh, they want to make (laughs) it so you can tell you're driving a hybrid exactly Uh because all their hybrids now they all look like regular cars so we will be back next week i don't have anything else to say Nope, I think that's about it. Well, try to stay cool out there. (laughs) Have a good day.